now serving F-27 at DMV window number 16. Okay, Rose, we're second in line. Perfect, Rose. You remembered the birth certificate? Yes, and we have our electric bill. Excellent. We'll be Real ID ready in no time. Real ID ready to visit our grandson, Ricky, at Fort Bragg, then fly to New Orleans for Jazz Fest. Pardon me, are you talking to yourself? <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I am. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Speaking of tech and technology, I am on the road at Georgia Tech, and you guys know I have three degrees from the University of Georgia, so I get the heebie-jeebies just being anywhere near here, let alone sitting here with the rambling wreck. And Professor Professor Dr. Matt McDowell, hey, welcome to my electric car studio. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're off North Avenue. Traffic is crazy out here. Uh, we're doing this on Juneteenth weekend. Father's Day for me. It's a Father 7. Cool. Uh, cool thing. You got any special plans for the weekend? Actually, yes. I'm a father as well. We're going up to the lake tomorrow to uh, I don't know, swim around a little bit. Well, great. Well, we're looking at this rambling wreck over here. We don't really have a, a car at the University of Georgia. We have a, a dog. Um, but uh, I, we, we got to do something about getting that car to run on electricity instead of gasoline it's a great idea you know i think there are a few rambling wrecks that go around campus one original and a few uh copies and i don't think any of them run on batteries but it's uh, i think we should get moving on that so we're sitting in my chevy volt 2017 you just heard the the generator click back on we were running on electricity i've been running all over the place today so it'll charge the battery up for a second and turn off this plug-in hybrid technology and we're, we're going to talk about your work with batteries but let's kind of take our audience through the different different type of evs so you know the first was uh the first really were those early priuses did you ever have a prius because you went you went uh you went to school at stanford after you did your undergrad here at tech uh did you, you there's a lot of priuses on the west coast i never had a prius uh my first electric-based vehicle was actually a Nissan LEAF, which I drive now, uh, 2015 Nissan LEAF. So I jumped right into the fully electric vehicle. Yeah, and that's the third kind that we'll talk about. The second kind is the plug-in hybrid. So for those of you that have driven a Prius, the car kind of decides when you're running on electricity and when you're not. The plug-in hybrid, it runs on electricity first, and you know just the Japanese models or the um, American models. If you if you're driving a German plug-in hybrid, the Germans will never sacrifice performance, so they let you they let you go back and forth. But this car, I can't really go back and forth. It I could just turn back off now, so it'll run out the 57 miles that I had today, and then the generator starts running, and I've been running on zero for a little while. Uh, because it's it's been you know 60 miles since I've charged, and then the Nissan Leaf, like you mentioned, that came to the U.S. in 2012. They actually started making it 2011 in Japan, I believe, with a smaller battery pack. I had a 13 2013 2015, and I just bought another 2013 uh, to use. You know, just campaigning, going through neighborhoods. It's a great car for low speed. To, the, the 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 Nissan Leaf is uh, it loves low speed. What are some of the what are some of the things that you had to adjust to as you learned to drive an electric vehicle? Well, yeah, the Nissan Leaf in particular, especially compared to the newer electric vehicles that you can buy today, it has a, a, a shorter driving range. Mine gets about 80 or 90 miles on a charge, and that's actually perfect if you're driving around a city. I drive it all the time. It's almost the only car I drive, um, but. Uh, uh, Nissan now makes vehicles that go a lot further on the order of 200 miles in a charge. And then, of course, Tesla and other companies are making vehicles that go up to 300 or 350 miles on a charge. So that's the main thing to get adjusted to. 
The other thing, of course, that's different is you don't you don't stop at a gas station to fill up. You either plug in overnight or you plug in at a, a fast charger somewhere, and it takes on the order of between 30 minutes and an hour to fill up your tank uh, with electricity all the way. So that takes some adjustment, but that's actually one of the big things from a research perspective that my research group and other research groups around the country are working on, trying to improve the speed, speed up the charge times so that we don't have to sit around and wait for our EVs to charge. The late Don Panis, he died in 2017, a big donor to Georgia Tech and had a car factory in Brazelton. His son still runs that. They also had a carbon fiber shop. They made um, they made race cars. They made a specially kind of custom-made car. But he was working on, at his you know, right before he died, he had been working on uh, some battery technology coming out of Georgia Tech or, or a motor technology coming out of Georgia Tech with a, a Chinese uh, lithium titanate battery. Um, can you kind of go through the different chemistries for people and, and, and why these things are so confusing? Yes, it's a great question, and uh, even even scientists get confused by all the acronyms and different materials that are possible to, to use in these sorts of batteries. But the basic idea is that inside your battery, you have different types of materials, and these materials are important because they are the ones that are storing the lithium ions, which are the carriers of charge. And so when you charge your battery, lithium ions, little, little atoms basically, move back and forth uh, inside the battery cell, and that's how you charge and discharge. So each of these different materials has different properties and characteristics. Some are really good at holding a lot of ions, which means they can hold more charge and your battery will last longer after you've charged it. Some of them uh, maybe store less or fewer ions, but they can charge and discharge much faster. And so, unfortunately, we don't have one material that can do everything really well. Lithium titanate, which you mentioned, is particularly good at charging really fast. Um, But unfortunately, when you use it in a battery, uh, you can't drive your car as far. It it holds less energy. So um, we're, we're, we're searching and developing materials so that they can do everything we want them to do inside a battery uh, as, as best as, as possible. And so that's the, that's the main goal of the research. When you think about the, the chip shortage that we have right now, we got shortages in a lot of things. Uh, but if you think about just, let's say, the chip shortage, um, is there a way for us to have a battery supply chain here in the U.S. or in Georgia, or will it always be a foreign supply chain? No, I think it's entirely possible. Um, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of funding, but uh, we have a lot of the... Interestingly, if you look back at the last 30 years of lithium-ion battery development, a lot of the research breakthroughs came from United States researchers, um, people who have come from all over the world but working in the United States. And unfortunately, we weren't able to capitalize that in terms of turning that research into, into manufacturing capacity. And other companies or other countries jumped on that. But it's right now the battery industry is growing like crazy and it's just really exciting. And there are big factories going up in Georgia and elsewhere to, to build lithium ion batteries at enormous scales. Uh, but, you know, there, there, are, there are U.S. companies that are kind of on the forefront of the next generation of technology. Smaller companies like QuantumScape and Solid Power, which are building batteries that can do what lithium-ion batteries can't. They're much safer, hold more energy, and charge and discharge quickly. And hopefully we'll be able to scale these technologies in the U.S. and manufacture them here. I've, I've said a, a number of times that in order for my Republican colleagues to get behind electric vehicles, we were going to need a truck. We were going to need an F-150, and it seems like that time is now here, that the SK Innovations factory that you mentioned up in my county, Jackson County, will be making batteries for the F-150 Lightning. I I mean, if I could postulate a theory here, my theory is that once middle and south Georgia good old boys experience an F-150 that has the power that we're seeing in Teslas and other cars that have that has true four-wheel drive, that has a power takeoff, you know, uh, where they can let the tailgate down and run their power tools right off their truck without a generator, that my theory is that will be a game changer. Do you think I'm going to be right on this? Uh, I will agree with you for sure 
that once you drive an EV, it really blows away uh, any experience in driving a conventional uh, internal combustion engine vehicle. And it's primarily because they accelerate really quickly. Um, even the EVs that are not known for acceleration, like my, my uh, Nissan Leaf, is just really fun to drive. Uh, so yes, I agree that it's just really uh, a, a fun experience. And I, you know, I, I heard, I saw the specs on the F one hundred and fifty, the F one hundred and fifty It's impressive. I can't imagine what it would feel like to drive a eight thousand pound truck and go from zero to sixty in three or four seconds or whatever the specs are. But uh, yes, I think people will like it. <laughs> so we'll see if 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 this works. And I think for Georgia, and this is what Professor, this is what I saw uh, with with solar in Georgia, that initially my Republican colleagues pushed back in 2011, 12, 13, as we were kind of ramping ramping it uh, up at the commission and and starting to do large-scale solar. But as this solar spread out through middle and south Georgia, providing needed tax revenues for counties that businesses were leaving, there was nothing required to kind of maintain these solar arrays. They didn't need police protection. They didn't need anything, just a little fence around them, and they just sat there making electricity. I've seen Republicans change their mind on solar, and I really believe that once we get them a truck, they're going to change their mind on trucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm not really a truck person, uh, but uh, I have been really intrigued by the F-150 Lightning and the Tesla Cybertruck. There's just a lot of utility. They, they come with all sorts of different power plugs that you can run your house on even. So it's just, it's a really, it's a different proposition than a conventional car, but I think it'll be much more useful uh, just for everyday living. And we're going to keep you on another segment as we as we wrap up this to my audience, I'm talking to Dr. Matt McDowell. I'm here at Georgia Tech. I'm in our mobile studio. Uh, where can folks find out about your research? Yeah, so if you go to my website uh, at Georgia Tech, um, it's uh, mtmcdowell.gatech.edu. You can see about all the different research projects we're working on related to batteries and the new battery technologies that we're developing. Hey, we're going to be back with Dr. McDowell. We're going to talk another segment about some of the battery research that he's had. We'll tell a few fun stories about EVs. You stick around. We'll be right back with Dr. McDowell. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member-owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not-for-profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, we're back on Energy Matters. Tim Eccles here. I am, as you know, a triple dog, and I'm too close to Georgia Tech right now. I'm sitting in my mobile studio uh, behind the alumni house. Uh, I'm looking at the rambling wreck. I've got a Dr. Matt McDowell here. He did his undergrad here. Were you a big... Were you a big Georgia Tech football, basketball fan when you were here? Yeah, yeah. I went to a lot of the the games, the football games, some of the basketball games. Right before I started here, Georgia Tech's basketball team was in the uh, national championship. That was 2003, I believe. And so, you know, we were pretty energized about basketball when I was an undergraduate. 
Wow. And so, you know, it's just a different culture here with all the engineering students. I mean, at Georgia, we have a bridge that kind of separates North Campus from South Campus. It's right there at the stadium. And, and all the science and math people go down to the South. And all the the art and the history and the English and the drama, we are up on North Campus. And I have three degrees from the University of Georgia, and they're all north of that bridge. You would have thought maybe I would have ventured out, especially given my job on the commission. But But you then went on to Stanford. Why did you go all the way out there? Well, Stanford, uh, when I went to, to get my PhD there, it was really attractive because they were really working on uh, fundamental science related to big problems in energy. And that really attracted me. And, and I knew at that time, right after I had graduated from undergraduate, that uh, energy issues were going to be a really important problem to solve in our society. So that's what I wanted to focus my efforts on. You know, if you look at the state of Washington and then going up into Canada, um, they have so much what I call big hydro out there. It really is a great blessing. The water they have and the power that it generates. I mean, I haven't spent much time in Washington or certainly up 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 in that part of Canada, but those rivers are enormous and they're powerful, aren't they? Yes, I've been up there before. Uh, and just it rains a lot too, so <laughs> that's part of it. But yes, the water and the hydropower they have there. Uh, and the reservoirs they have that can controllably uh, allow for electricity generation are also important. You know, you think about what we have in Georgia, a mixture of coal, natural gas, nuclear, biomass, a little bit of hydro, and now maybe 8% renewable energy. We're going to see more solar added next year during our integrated resource planning period. So I think even though we've we've five Republican commissioners on the PSC, I think all of us realize, man, solar has been good, clean jobs. It's cheaper than coal when done at large scale. And then I added net metering into the last uh, IRP, and the the rooftop solar business has just taken off here because of net metering. Have you had any friends that have done uh, the net metering or the solar? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I guess I'll have to thank you for adding the net metering because we installed solar panels at our uh, home last year and we were able to get in on the net metering deal, which really uh, really helps in reducing overall costs when you have rooftop solar. Yeah, it cuts the it cuts the payback about 30%. So it's very very helpful. So, you know, you went out to Stanford and were they doing some really creative stuff with batteries out there? There are um, there are research groups at universities around the country that are working on on battery technologies. But I was very intrigued by um, the work that was going on at Stanford at that time, specifically integrating nanotechnology uh, and batteries. That hadn't really been done to a large scale before. And it's turned out in the last 15 years, uh, understanding and controlling materials at the level of nanotechnological uh, insight has been really important to improve battery technology. So when you hear the word nano, and you're talking right to an English major, <laughs> what should I think of when I hear nano in front of anything? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's probably an overused term, especially uh, in, the, in the vernacular. But uh, really what it means is before about 20 years ago, uh, chemists and physicists and material scientists like me uh, didn't really think about or we weren't able really to control materials down to very small length scales. And it turns out at these very small length scales, a little bit larger than atoms, but not that much larger, uh, being able to control materials and build them uh, at that length scale is really important to be able to enable new properties and optimize properties when you use them in devices. So uh, it's been kind of a, a, a two-decade learning process, but harnessing and being able to control materials materials at small length scales is a really critical aspect of building batteries with uh, just optimal performance. I had a chance to go to Tokyo with a delegation from from Georgia. In fact, one of your, uh, I guess it was Dr. Rich Simmons, I think, uh, or Tim Lewin, uh, one of your one of your professors was was uh, going at the same time, not on the same trip with us, but we happened to be on the same flight and uh, hung out a little bit together. But you know, one of the things that was so obvious being in Japan is the expertise they have in very tiny, precise manufacturing. Um, 
And of course, there wasn't a lot of electric, fully electric vehicles that we saw in Japan, but a ton of hybrids. And I, I think the Japanese, they were so practical realizing, well, look, if we make virtually everything hybrid, we're going to cut our fuel consumption by, you know, by 30%. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes, sometimes, Dr. McDowell, I will, I will meet environmentalists or people that really want to see us move towards renewable energy and they feel like we've got to do everything all at once and everybody needs to go all electric but there is i think some wisdom in just reducing consumption along and along i totally agree with that and i mean i think the projections and the goals of really moving to a completely renewable based energy economy over the next 20 or 30 years i think that's critical but you can't do it all at once and the hybrid engines uh, are important um and really, one of the main reasons why uh, the hybrid engines are useful now is just because batteries are still too heavy and too expensive to be able to use them for everything. We're, we're working to change that, and it will change over the next few years even, but uh, hybrid uh, vehicle technology is still quite useful. So in growing up, we had a car auction and a car lot, and our old cars regularly were, well, we were having to jump them off with a portable battery or another car, and there was always concern. My dad was teaching me, hey, son, make sure you put the red on the positive and the black on the negative, and he, you didn't want to get them crossed. You didn't want to touch anything with a screwdriver while you were while you were doing that, and I had friends have batteries blow up in their face, and got, they got acid on them. I mean, is is are batteries safe? So that's a great question, and I'm sure some of the, the the listeners here in the audience may have seen YouTube videos or have heard of you know batteries exploding in people's pockets or even Teslas catching on fire. Uh, so fundamentally, batteries uh, are a, a, it's a pretty small volume, and you're trying to store as much energy as you can in that volume, and so that you know fundamentally makes the battery it can be unsafe. And so in a vehicle, there's computer systems and battery management systems that really control exactly how the battery is being used, the temperature of the battery, and tries to prevent any sort of unsafe conditions. And that is really very successful, actually. Um, but uh, in the end, there's always a very small probability that uh, you could have issues. I have to say, in, the, in all the EVs that are on the road now, I think that they're of, of similar or in, increased safety compared to internal combustion engine vehicles. Um, but yes, it's important to consider safety, especially in developing new battery systems and manufacturing batteries. Um, one final note on this is that uh, one of the things that my research group is working on is a new battery technology called solid state batteries. And one of the, one of the primary safety concerns in conventional batteries is there's a liquid inside, and this liquid is flammable. It's, a, it's an organic liquid, uh, and it's flammable. It catches on fire uh, if there's a safety hazard, a safety event. Um, so solid-state batteries are great. You get rid of that liquid, uh, which creates some scientific challenges, but it improves safety. So we're working on the scientific challenges, uh, and we and others in the, in the research community are making rapid progress on... Uh, developing these this new technology that will hopefully be able to improve safety and all the other aspects of battery uh, batteries that we want to be better. So let me ask your scientific opinion on something. I was given this little cell phone charger portable battery. You've seen these. This is from my friends at Green Power EMC. Uh, and it, it seems counterintuitive to me. Of course, I'm just an English, an English major guy, but this has a solar panel on it. And so theoretically, if I put it in the sun, it charges it. But if I put it in the sun, the battery gets really hot and it seems like it would lose power. I mean, is, is, my, is my idea correct or am I wrong? It's a good point. So it's kind of a subtle distinction here. So when you buy an electric vehicle or when you buy a laptop or an iPhone, the battery inside is always the same type of battery. It's a lithium-ion battery. And this is the type of battery we've been discussing. It's the type that can have safety issues. But when it's in your laptop or your cell phone or your EV, there's always computer control and it's very well managed. So you can go on Amazon and you can actually, and elsewhere online, and you can buy individual battery cells. And that's probably what you have in your little charger there. And uh, a lot of times these cells come from places, well, you don't really know where they come from. And, and often on Amazon and other places uh, online, they may not really be, uh, there may not be truth in advertising in terms of the capabilities or the energy storage of these cells. And so often what I've seen is that 
safety hazards arise when individuals have battery cells that they maybe have in their pocket or something and uh, uh, they, they, they may catch on fire or something like that. But otherwise, when they're contained in a device, they're usually safe. Well, it's been great having you on Energy Matters. Uh, tell folks where they can find your research. You can look at Georgia Tech's website. Uh, there's a there's an institution we have at Georgia Tech called the Strategic Energy Institute. There's a lot of information about batteries and other devices there. Well, fantastic having you on. Stick around, and we're going to talk to Greg from Greg Goes Electric on YouTube. He converts old-fashioned cars like the 55 Ford to electric. You will not believe this. So he's going to give us a walk around at his facility coming up. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMW Auto Sales. With gas prices hitting over $3 for the first time since 2014, isn't it time you consider a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid from BMVW Auto Sales? These plug-in hybrids will go 50 miles on electric charge, saving you precious money and time. Skip the line at the gas pumps and charge in your garage. See more at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. All right, so this, this project here, this is a 1955 Ford F100. All right, now this project is for a uh, client who owns a solar panel company, okay? He wanted to promote a solar panel company. And of course, what we're doing to promote it is these solar panels that you see on the rear, they actually retract. So, okay, once you, well, they extend out. Once you extend them, then they have a platform that yields about 1,000 watts an hour, okay? So this truck can just sit here and charge about 1,000 watts an hour. Not much, you say, with the average... Uh, uh, fuel efficiency of three and a half, four kilowatts per you know per mile. With this truck? Well, we're looking at somewhere. Probably, it's not that aerodynamic. Yeah. Maybe two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> yeah. So two and a half. So you get about two and a half miles an hour. Yeah, it is a truck. Two and a half miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, believe it or not, this is a lot lighter than you would well, ever now, imagine. Now it is. Yeah, now it is. Yeah, it's a uh, and the chassis inside. Uh, uh, I don't think that's the original chassis. I just I don't know if that's a frame on another body or a body on a, you know a frame on another chassis, but that that chassis is amazingly light and a C channel. I thought they boxed them back then, so that's a C channel. But um, yeah, check out the inside. Um, we're still working on it here. We got a we got everything set up, so we're putting in the the charger, the DC to DC. We got you know we got the seats and all. We got all of that uh, reupholstered. Uh, now we're just installing all the electronics, and uh, this is going to be. Um, once we're done, this will have about a have about an 80, 85, 90 mile range. It's, it's a it's a it's more of a show truck, and uh, it's going to have about three hundred well two hundred and fifty horsepower about two hundred and fifty horsepower six hundred foot pound of torque. It'll be a it'll be a screamer, but it's more show more so for the show and just to show where we've come as to where we're going. And just like the Mercedes, as you see. Uh, in the MG, what we're doing is we're, we're just retrofitting the older vehicles, and we're making them appealing and, and efficient again. So as I look in the as I look look in the what was the engine compartment, what am I seeing? All right, so this is all high polished chrome, and uh, this is all high polished chrome. And this uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted we wanted to give this some like a story to tell. So this is looks like a treasure chest as you see, and inside the treasure are the batteries because this is the heart and soul of the vehicle. So, and what kind of chemistry, battery chemistry, is it? Is it lithium ion? Is it iron phosphate? Is it lithium titanate? What is it? Phosphate. These are lithium ion phosphates. You know, we went with phosphate because they're the lowest maintenance, safest batteries on the market to date. 
So we went with these because they're just very fairly reliable batteries, very low maintenance batteries. As a matter of fact, we got these from a Nissan Leaf, and as you know, Leaf doesn't, this generation, they didn't uh, do what you call uh, thermal control, and they didn't need it with these. So because this is a, a very low-use low show vehicle, we went ahead and, and focused on aesthetics over top of function. So it is a, is a highly functional, but not a highly traveling vehicle. Yeah, so how about, the, how about the motor? Where is the electric motor for this vehicle? The electric motor's under the vehicle. It's where the transmission used to be. So where the transmission is now, there is what you call a gear reduction system. It's by Torque Trends. It only weighs 38 pounds. However, and the motor weighs about uh, 70 pounds. So we're looking at only about 100 pounds, but we're putting out about 600 foot-pound of torque, close to 250 horsepower. So is it a Nissan Leaf motor in it? No, the motor is by a company called UQM. Uh, and they've been in the business for over, over 40 years. They do everything from uh, uh, cargo ships to uh, salt mining uh, vehicles. So they're all over the place. And they also do, a, they're also in the marine industry. And uh, they, they make a highly uh, uh, reliable vehicle. It's called a, um, a UQM-135. So it's 135 kilowatt, which equals about close, over, a little over 200 horsepower, depending on how you volt it. We've over-volted it, so we're, we're, we're putting out some serious power with that You know, motor. when I think about my friends that have classic cars today, you know, maybe they've got an old Corvette, an old Trans Am, uh, uh, an old Camaro. They're not driving that to Florida. They're just doing exactly what you say. They're taking it out on the weekend. They're riding around with the top down, having fun. Uh, that's kind of what the purpose of this truck is, right? It's, it's going to go to car shows. It's going to go to the racetrack. Panels that fold out like wings in the back of Is this is this designed for folding? And we're going to put a picture of this on Matters Radio Twitter feed. Is this something y'all came up with? Yes. Yes. So this is a light uh, aluminum frame, and uh, we've got rollers and we've got plastic shims which act as bearings. And what happens is these these rollers are in, in little trays, and when you activate it with these here, we've got limit switches, and uh, you know we've got a you know a, a switch up front that'll activate it. And there's stepper motors and limit switches. What's going to happen is this motor is going to or this panel is going to slide out to the driver's side. The middle panel is going to slide out to the passenger side, and the very bottom panel is going to raise up. And it's going to just create a, a, a very wide, flat footprint, which is going to absorb the energy from the sun, of course. And then, of course, that gets to goes to a, a DC to DC converter. And then that's going to, I'm sorry, a DC to AC converter, which is then going to talk to or charge the, uh, the onboard charging system. Wow, that is so clever. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Greg. We're over here in Woodstock and, and looking at some of the vehicles that he has converted from gas over to electric. This is a 1955 Ford. We're going to pop it up on our Twitter feed at Matters Radio. You're not going to believe this. Greg, let's go to another one of the vehicles. Let's go to that MG that okay. you and I are going to be using in the Marietta Parade. Okay. And I remember my wife having one of these MGs in college. It was red, but it was this model. But this one's an electric. What have you done to it? So this one, uh, the MGs came with about 60, 64 horsepower motors. Now, we went comparable to the 60 horsepower motor. And the reason that we did that is because the rear differential, the suspension of this car, wasn't made to handle much more horsepower than it was designed for. So we, we didn't want to throw too much more horsepower because we would have had to redesign the rear end, redesign the suspension. And this is what you call a budget build. So to keep it costly, to keep it effective or, or cost effective, what we did was we put a 60 horsepower uh, electric motor in it, which is called an AC50, yields about 62 horsepower. Uh, one thing people have to remember though, it's 62 electric horsepower, somewhere around 100, 110 gas horsepower, okay? Yeah, but for this little car, that's still a lot. Oh, this, this, is, a, this, this, yeah. this is a tiny car. Is this a, is this a 70 something, uh, your model? What, what well, it's, a, it's actually a 1980, but I've got 72 to 76 accents on. I've got all the chrome accents from the 70s. Mm. And uh, just just to give it that more retro look, but the frame, the chassis, the unibody that it is, it's an 80s unibody chassis. But uh, we've given it that, that, we put the old chrome accents all the way around just to give it the retro 70s look. So I noticed it's a stick shift, but I mean, it's not going to have a transmission, right? Uh, it does have one, actually. There is a stick in here. Funny thing is, you don't need it. You can start this car in third gear. You don't need the clutch. 
when you come to a stop, you're you're at dead stop, so you don't need, need the clutch at all. Uh, I keep the clutch just to shift out of out of habit. A lot of people do because the gears are synchronized, so we keep it in there. But at the most part, or if you're going to downshift, say you go up a hill and you want to downshift, then you're going to use the clutch then. But for the most part, you really don't need it at all. Look, looking at the interior on this, this looks like the original MG style seats, but they're brand new, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. They're just reupholstered. And, uh, you know, of course, we went with the retro look. Uh, you can tell by the leather, the lighter colored leather and the way it's, you know, it's all accent. It's been redone. But uh, we wanted to keep the original look. As you see, we've got the wooden steering wheel. That's uh, one thing I want to make my um, sort of like my calling card. I want to have wooden steering wheels in all of my vehicles. So, uh, yeah, this is her. Uh, and how about the 82 Mercedes? This is... Uh it almost looks like a limousine. It's so big. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. What, 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 why start with the 82 Mercedes? What was special about this? Well, actually, Tim, this is a 72. Oh, a 72 Mercedes. Yeah, this is a 72. It's a 280 SL, uh, 280 SE. Uh, this was sort of like the flagship of Mercedes back in the 70s. This was the one that was sort of like the, you know, the creme de la creme of Mercedes. And what we wanted to do was give, bring back that retro look, which we did. But we wanted to give it performance. We wanted to give it safety. So it's got airbags in it. It's got uh, four airbags in it for SRS, safety restraint system airbags. That's uh, the, the hitch, the latch, latches, right, right here. Um, it's got a, uh, a Nissan Leaf drivetrain, as you see. Uh, it's, we've uh, widened the uh, suspension. We've widened off the wheels so that it's got about a six inch wider footprint for handling. Uh, it's got ABS brakes, uh, you name it, it's got all the bells and whistles. Heated seats, front and rear, so the, AC. The old radiator here, you don't really need it, do you? Uh, I do, because this here, this motor and the motor controller is liquid cooled. If you see that hose going right there, that goes to the motor controller and it goes to the motor. So uh, that, that's to keep it efficient. You know, there was a there was a motor created over at Georgia Tech. I think it was called a DNX motor, I forget. but. It, it had cooling going through the middle of the motor instead of around the motor, supposedly to increase greater efficiency. And is your, how does your cooling work on this one? This one is standard. It goes around the motor. There is a jacket that goes around the motor. Uh, simply because if you want to go through the motor, a little bit more complexity. You know, you're going to have to use a different type of uh, dielectric. All right, let's look at, let's, let's walk into your shop. We've got about another minute. Uh, and let's, let's tell me what I'm, what I'm seeing here inside on some of the projects that you're working on. Let's just take one of them. Okay. Uh, well, let's go to the most important one here. So what you are looking at, it's going to be Georgia's and possibly the country's first in-service electric tow truck. So uh, this truck right here, this is the battery system that we're going to put in it. Uh, this is a prototype. Uh, as you see, we've got a, uh, a beast of a motor that is going in it right there. Uh, that's the UQM220. Uh, that motor with that with, with a two-speed air actuated transmission. Now this motor, this uh, little tow truck here, will be putting out about 1,250 foot-pound of torque. So it'll be uh, more than capable of, of towing whatever we throw at it. Well, how can folks find out more about what you're doing? Okay, uh, the YouTube channel. It's Greg Goes Electric. Uh, the same on Instagram at Greg Goes Electric. Uh, also, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, which is uh, Greg Coles, and also I have a website, which is clock-eng.com. This is Tim Eccles with Energy Matters on the road. Stick around; we'll be right back. Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. 
Tim Eccles here for Marlin Gas Services. Marlin doesn't sell gasoline, propane, or even natural gas, but they do solve problems and difficult ones when traditional pipelines are shut down. Remember that contractor that pierced the pipe at the bottom of the Savannah River, terminating gas service to all of Hutchinson Island? Marlin was there. They trucked highly compressed gas over to the island, restoring gas service until the repair could be made. See more at MarlinGas.com. That's MarlinGas.com. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters with my new friend, Fred Wilson. I'm in a Prius and he's on a Harley Davidson, I think. But we both sought out the old Jekyll Island Amphitheater. Fred, you were telling me you came here when you were a teen. Yes, uh, when I was a teenager, me and my family came here and watched a group. I think it was from University of Georgia put on a, uh, a play called Drum Beats in Georgia. We had a really good time. This was a a very good place for quality entertainment for vacationers and locals alike. Fred, there's uh, spaces for a couple of hundred cars here. And when I was looking for this, the thing that crossed my mind is, okay, wait a second. If people were coming from southeast Georgia, they had to have a place to park. And you can see, Fred, just looking up the old light. There's there's some old lights here that led this path. And you and I are standing on what we think was the old ticket booth uh and then i hear that the uga actors lived over in villa osprey one of the houses there so did your family vacation a lot here yes well when i was young probably from around the age of six until probably my my mid-20s we vacation vacation here quite a lot every summer we spent the week of the fourth of july here on the island and then came back intermittently throughout the summer. Yeah, the island is still popular, but I really think with all the work that they've done on this island with the Weston and now the new Marriott Courtyard, it is coming back and I think it's going to have a revival like it's maybe like it's never had before. I agree. I agree. Um, There's so much more to do on the island now, but to attract families, they need a broad spectrum of entertainment, not just the beach, because at nighttime, people like to do things differently than they're doing the day most people and the amphitheater filled a void there and it provided really good entertainment and it's it's something that stuck with me throughout the years and i think that if the uh, jekyll Island authority will restore the amphitheater um, a lot more families will discover it and a lot more kids will have fond memories of it as i do I'm writing a book on the Jekyll Island Club. It was founded in 1879 by Newton Finney from New York and his brother-in-law, John DeBinion, whose grandfather had been here. And, you know, at one time, this island was the West Palm Beach of the United States. Back in, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s, J.P. Morgan Pulitzer, all of these very rich New Yorkers came came here. Have you thought much about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love the history of the place. And, and I remember when the so-called cottages, which are mansions to you and I, uh, were in a sad state of disrepair, as was the Jekyll Island Club Hotel now. And it's very, it's, it's fortunate that the state has restored those uh, cottages to their former glory. They're, they're beautiful. And um, it's just a it's just a wonderful place. You know, we talk a lot about energy and sustainability on our radio show, which is in Athens, Brunswick, Savannah, Clarksville, Atlanta, and on every podcast platform. I know you're driving a motorcycle. You've grown up here in Georgia. Where do you see energy going in the future as you think about what what might be over the next 20 years? You mean here on Jekyll Island? No, just just here in Georgia and the United States. Uh, energy as in what what type of energy? As you think about any energy transition that we might have from from internal combustion engines to electric or from traditional coal-powered plants to solar to maybe wind turbines off the coast of Jekyll one day, how do, how do you see, Fred, energy changing 
over the next 20 years? Well, I think um, I think we're on the road to um, getting away from the internal combustion engine. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that. Uh, I have, uh, of course, I have a Harley. That's my 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 toy that I play with during the summer. Um, and without uh, an electric Harley, which they've got the live wire now, uh, it just doesn't give the same feel as the internal combustion engine. But I, I think that's the direction that we're heading. Uh, if they can um, develop a battery that can get, you can get a lot of miles from each charge, I think that um, that's the direction that's going. I think it's an inevitable. You're 63, I'm 61. Um, and I have heard other old white guys like me and you at Road Atlanta say that the noise, the sound of the engines there is why they go. And if that race was reduced to electric motors, they wouldn't uh, attend. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, is this just so ingrained in guys like me and you that we're used to the, the sound, we've grown up with it, with there's certain things we love the sound of, and, and we're just not going to be able to get away from it in our lifetime? I agree. We, um, you know, it's sort of hard for people our age to to change sometime but I was in Italy a couple of years ago and um, in a lot of the villages and, and cities there they already have electric vehicles and so you don't have quite the noise from vehicles you have noise otherwise but not from not from vehicles not as much as what what we have here in the states. I grew up at North Clayton High School in College Park where did you go to high school? I went to Tomb Central High School in Tombs County um, probably around 20 miles south of Vidalia and Lyons. If you've heard of the Vidalia Onion, that's, uh, I grew up around the onion farms. Well, what's even bigger there that I've heard of that I regulate is uh, Plant Hatch in the nuclear plant there. It's been there um, really since you were a teen, uh, and it probably has helped provide economic development for Toombs County, Vidalia, Baxley, Appling County, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember uh, back when it was in its heyday of the construction, I, I actually live probably about 10 air miles from Plant Hedge. And I remember when it was in its heyday as far as construction, it provided a lot of jobs and, and still does. It's, it's, a, it's a major employer of, of the area. As we think about clean energy for the future, I know that, I mean, solar's great for the daytime. Wind is intermittent. We don't have that great a wind here. I mean, yeah, the, the wind today on Jekyll is probably 20 miles an hour is good, but tomorrow it could be nothing. Uh, so, I mean, advanced nuclear energy with smaller reactors, daisy chained together, carbon-free emissions. I mean, do you do you see that as, as, as a part of our future to be able to, be able to provide baseload power in the evenings? I do. You know, after all, it, it is clean energy. You have some people that are a little bit, when you mention nuclear power, nuclear energy, they sort of recoil and, uh, you know, they, they don't think that's such a good idea, anything to do with nuclear. I think it has a good safety record. You know, ag, and you mentioned the Vidalia onions, and they're in season uh, right now as we're, they've been in season for three or four weeks, I guess, as we're recording this show. Uh, as we grow pine trees like the ones around us here, um, and of course they're not harvesting these here on Jekyll Island, but there's a lot of places in Georgia where we harvest these trees and they provide well, our toilet paper, our clinics, our paper towels, uh, our notebook paper, our newspaper. I mean, Georgia pine trees are an important part of not just our economy, but everybody's daily life. Not to mention, Fred, that in England, they are taking wood pellets from Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and they've been able to close coal plants or transition coal plants over to Georgia wood pellets. So we are actually providing part of the energy solution for countries like the UK and Germany. I mean, how cool is that? Very. In fact, uh, it's funny that you mentioned the, the wood pellets. Uh, I actually have um, a cousin who, who owns some pellet mills here in Georgia, and they have exported those pellets overseas, and which... As you said, you know, it cuts down on the use of coal. Uh, that wouldn't be Daryl Beasley, would it? 
No, no, they're from Swainsboro. The last name uh, Faircloth. I know Daryl Beasley down in Jeff Davis County. Your friends, the Faircloths, are cousins. Uh, I mean, it is big business. And when you go to Germany, I mean, even their homes are heated with Georgia wood pellets. Uh, they've got these intricate um, wood stoves that you know that that essentially heat their entire house they've got the right humidity uh, where my dad and granddad they built wood stoves in their house but it was always dry heat and it was it was just way too hot it was either and too dry but the germans have figured out how to take our wood pellets and really turn it into an effective way to to, to heat homes so you know, as you grew up in Toombs County, I know my friend Frank Rayford, George Rayford, all those guys that ran Sheriff and Police Press. I went to college with, with them and learned to water ski behind Frank's boat at, in Lake Sinclair, not too far from you. I mean, let's just switch over to Harley's just for a second. Uh, you know, as you as you ride uh, our our streets in Georgia, what? Because I'm not a Harley guy. I don't have any black leather. <laughs> what is it that you really like about it? The wind therapy. The wind therapy. Um, when, you're, when you're riding on a Harley or if you're in a convertible, um, it's just uh, all your cares just go right up into the atmosphere. It's, it's just fun, especially riding uh, on, along the coast. There's nothing quite like the smell of the, of the salt air, the breeze to, to recharge your battery. Okay, let's go back to batteries. So you, you've told me that the wind uh, you like and the, the speed, the open air. I mean, couldn't an electric motorcycle that had a little sound built into it, couldn't it provide what your Harley provides? It could. It could. Uh, although I do like the sound of the Harley, um, it could. And, and I think that over time you're going to see more motorcycles, perhaps at even faster rate, and automobiles, um, you'll see more, more motorcycles that will be electric. Thank you for being on Energy Matters today. And as we've made our way to this old amphitheater in the middle of Jekyll, fun adventure, fun running into you. Say hey to all my friends in Vidalia. Right, thank you. I hope you enjoy your visit here. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Now serving B24 at DMV window number 7. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID.